that way toward God this morning. Whatever, whatever you want from me, God, that's what I want to be willing to do. Amen. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes to your will and to your way. Praise God. Let's praise him together right now. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you today. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It seems that one of the most difficult things that I have faced as a pastor is to convince people of how much God wants to help them and make them a better person to give them victory. It seems too good to be true because everything in our life is weighed in the context of what we have been or what we are at the present. And we discount the grace and the mercy of God and the covenant that God has made with people that I will be a God to you. I will be a Savior to you. I will be a deliverer to you. I will be a healer to you. Amen. I will be a resource. I'll be a way. A way out, a way through, a way over. God has made a covenant with us. That if you will just let me, I'll be all of that and more. All you've got to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, I, I wish somebody could get in agreement with what God is trying to say about you this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So thankful for all of you that are here today. Our guests, we welcome you this morning. And thank you for uh, being a part of Greater Life Church. Amen. So many good uh, faces that we see today. God bless you for being here in the house of the Lord. I, I don't know of a song that could have been more appropriate for what I feel the Lord directing me to this morning in your behalf. If you have your Bibles for just a few moments, would like to look with you at the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. Very small book, two chapters that uh, can be overlooked and can be passed so quickly, but they have, uh, it has such a powerful message that I believe the Lord would like to speak to somebody here today. Haggai. If you don't know where it's at, go to Matthew and then start back to the Old Testament and you'll come across it sooner rather than later. Minor prophet, but a major message. Praise God. A minor prophet, but a major message. Amen. Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse number 4. I love certain words. When I read the Bible, they jump out at me and they speak to me. And 
verse 4 begins with one of my favorite words in Scripture. Yet. Y-E-T. Yet. Everybody say yet. That means possibility. That means potential. So he says to his people, Yet now be strong. O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Joshadek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Everybody say, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, I am with you. I want you to say that with me. I am with you. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth. Everybody say remaineth. My spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, everybody say, in this place. And in this place. Everybody say, this place. Somebody say, right here. Right now. God said, I want to give you peace. I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. What a powerful, powerful encouragement that is found here in our text today. My subject to you is what God wants from you. And everybody said amen. Say it with me. What God wants from me, not you, me. Say it that way. What God wants from me. Everybody said amen again. You may be seated. The prophecy of Haggai is extremely brief, but it could not have come at a more needed time in the life of Israel. They had come out of Babylonian captivity and had been out from under the hand of the Babylonian oppression for some time. But they were not the people that they ought to have been. They were struggling with a lot of issues in their life. They were struggling with a lot of problems. Most 
mostly the problem with Israel at that time was that they had lost their sense of direction. They had, they had lost their focus. What they had been brought back home for. What God purposed for them. And so they were struggling with this issue of keeping their focus. How common a thing it is in life for us to lose our focus. We can become distracted so easily. It seems to me like it's easier to be distracted today than it is to pay attention. Church service, life, it doesn't matter. We could have the most powerful move of God going on in this place and one person get up and walk out and half the congregation's attention is turned to that one person going out. Distractions. We have a hard time keeping our focus. I personally believe that part of that is the work of the enemy. If he can keep me distracted, he can keep me in a space or a place where I am no damage or no effect to his kingdom. I used to think that deception was the greatest fear of the end time. And I do believe that that is a genuine part of the end time. Deception, falsehood, lies, deceit. But I have come to understand that the greater menace of the last hour is not deception but distraction. How easily we can lose our focus and we can lose our sense of direction. And so it had happened to God's people. They were not bad people. They were just misdirected people. They were not really uh, people that he wanted to do away with. They were just confused people. And so the word of the Lord came to them at this most important time. It could not have been at a more timely point in their life. And somehow today, I, I would pray that God would send a word to this congregation. That's been my prayer through the night and even this morning early when I came, that God would be able to get through all of the elements that we are wrestling with. And all of us have different things that we're struggling with. And we're dealing with in our life. And somehow that through all the discordant notes of the hour. That the word of God could come to my heart. And it could come into my life. And I could embrace that word. And believe that word. And act upon that word. In a nervous and restless and a frightened hour. We need this word from God so desperately. And in an hour of great distress and misappropriated resources and misdirected uh, attention and attitudes, we need a direct word from God that will turn us back to what really matters in this hour. The occasion of these words came after they had concluded the building of the temple or the rebuilding of the temple. The temple that Solomon had built 
in all of its beauty. It took him a long time to put together that beautiful place of worship. And then when the Babylonians came in, they tore it down and they did great damage to its structure. And so God, when God brought them back out of Babylonian captivity, one of the first responsibilities was to rebuild that temple, that place of worship. And they had started on that, but they had gotten distracted. And they started working on their own houses. And they started investing in their own needs and their own priorities. And they became uh, consumed with their own self-interest. And they neglected the things of God. And so God sent a prophet along to stir them up to finish rebuilding. And Zerubbabel helped them finish building the temple so that they would have a place of worship. And then God comes to them even now. The, 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 the temple has been finished, but they are more discouraged now than they were before it was finished. Because now when they look at the finished product, somehow it doesn't compare with what some of them remembered had been its former glory. They looked at the building as it was at that moment. And they were discouraged because when they compared the old with the new, there was no comparison. And if you read verse number 3, that was one of the things that Haggai pointed out to them. God saying to them, Who is left among you that saw this house first glory? And how do you see it now? He said, When you that are old enough to remember what this place looked like, and you see what it looks like now. Many of you are discouraged because of what you see right now is nothing compared with what was at one time. And you're discouraged by what you see. Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? And so they were despondent. They there was a, a lack of enthusiasm. There was no excitement about coming to church or being a part of it because they were lost in its former glory. They were lost in what it used to be and had forgotten that God is not a God of the dead but of the living. And so God had to send a preacher along to help them and encourage them and get them pointed back in the right direction. Get their eyes focused again on the right thing. It was lacking, certainly. It was nowhere as beautiful and as ornate. And their memories, their memories were so vivid that when they compared, they were discouraged. And a spirit of despondency had come. I've learned this about people and about living life, that despondency in life is most often a result of comparison. When I, when I lower my life to begin comparing myself with what was, 
to what is, it's not long before I become discouraged. And how many people this morning sitting on these pews right now that your life is in neutral spiritually? You have great talent. You have great ability. You have great gifts. You have great possibilities. But right now, as far as God is concerned, you are of no value to Him because you are lost in some yesterday, some former glory, some day that used to be when you were closer to God than what you are right now. And as a result of that comparison, you are struggling. You've stopped working. You're just living. You're existing. They built, but they did so discouragingly. And how many people this morning are like Israel that were kept in check spiritually and held hostage by the past. Now, I'm not here to disparage the past. And I certainly am not here to say that the past was not a great time. But folks, the past is what it is. It's the past. And whatever the glory was back there, whether it's now or not, is not as important to God as what we're doing with our present opportunity. You know, I... I don't know, some country and western song a long time ago said something to the effect, but I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm not the person that I was in my 20s and my 30s. And when I look at myself today, sometimes I get a little down on myself. I get a little bit negative because when I compare what I used to do with what I can do now, I I don't have the stuff I used to have. I, I don't have it. And so what happens is that we beat ourselves down to nothingness and in truth we become of no use to the kingdom of God because we're stuck in some yesterday some former glory. And when we compare it to where we are right now, it, there's not even any comparison. I've come today with a unique message for you. I've come to tell some of you that are sitting on the pew right now and you are uninvolved and you are disconnected spiritually that God has a word for you this morning and that word is simply this, that your future is more important to him than your past. And whatever your past has been, whether it was more glorious or whatever, it doesn't really matter when God looks at you in this present moment and sees the potential and the opportunity that is here. God is more, impor- God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. And there are people sitting here this morning that the devil has beaten you down because you're just not the person you used to be. You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't worship like you used to worship. 
You don't have the energy like you used to have to pour into things. And the devil comes by and he whispers in your ear, you are useless to the kingdom of God. Some of you sitting here this morning are still wrestling with some old failures. You're still wrestling with some old demons that you just can't seem to shake loose from. And those old demons, they just, they, they, they reach out their tentacles and they take hold of you. And every time you try to take a step, they try to pull you backwards into what you were. And the truth is, you're not going anywhere. And God sent me with a special message for somebody this morning. God is not going to judge you on what? Was. He's going to judge you on what is. And you're not going to be saved on what was. You're going to be saved on what is in this present hour. And Israel had come to a standstill in their spiritual life. They had given up on worship. They had given up on God. They had given up on giving themselves to the Lord because what they saw from the past was greater than what they saw in the present. And they said, well, it's just not worth anything. And God came to a discouraged, despondent people. And he said, you know what? You need to get over the past. Maybe it was better. Maybe those old days were the good old days. But they're gone, folks. They're not going to be called back. And we're never going to have that former glory. I've come to tell some of us here in this place that America is never going to recapture some of its former glory. Does that mean that America is no good and not worth the effort? Absolutely not. I'm here to tell you that whatever it is at the moment, God is still expecting the very best that I can give him and the very best that I can do for him. And God is more interested in my future than he is in my past. There are people here today that are struggling with the concept of God's forgiveness. Is it really real and I've come to tell you that it is what God reminded Israel of is that he was a God of covenant that means that what God agreed to before he's still in agreement with today and whether you were the man now that you were then or not he's still the same God he's always been now I want to ask you a question which would you rather do? Live your life based on the limitations of what you are right now or lift your life into his presence and say, God, I don't know what you can make out of me. I don't know what you can do out of me. But I want to give myself to you this morning because I want my end to be greater than my beginning. And I want my future to be better than my past. And however limited I am, it's not about me anyway. It's really about you. So what God wants from you in this hour is just your best. 
the best you can do. It may not be as good as you could have done or did in the past. But God's not interested in the past. He's interested in your present. God's not caught up like we are in what we didn't do or what it was. God is a God of the present. He is a God of now. He is a God of this moment. He is a God of this place. He is a God of where I am today. He is a God of where you are this morning. And he reminded Israel over and over again. He said, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth, 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 remaineth. My spirit is still among you right now. And your opportunity today is just as great as it has ever been. All you need to do is get on your feet and say, you know what? I'm going to live and not die. I am not going out this way. This is not going to be the way my life ends. God wants you to get up and go on. Come on, clap your hands and praise Him together with me. Hallelujah. God's not going to judge you just on what your past was. He's going to judge you on what you do with your present situation. There are people here this morning, condemnation, guilt, anger, things happen in life that we don't plan on. People do things to us that we cannot believe they could do to us. And we get caught up in all of that. And we live in that yesterday of something, some grander glory than the present. The sad part is that when we do that, we miss out on the opportunity of the moment. And how often we struggle with what was compared to what is. And how many people in this building this morning are held in spiritual check. And you are a hostage of something from yesterday And it's time for you to realize that God is not a God of the dead. He is a God of the living. He is a God of this present moment. And God's word to you and I in this present moment is get up. His word to us and to these people in that moment was be strong. The word strong in the Hebrew actually comes from a word that we get courage from. Be courageous. It takes courage to get up and live when your yesterday had greater greater glory than your present moment. But that doesn't mean you can't live this moment. And it doesn't mean that God can't do something in this hour. You just need to wake up to the present opportunity. God sent me this morning to tell somebody it's time for you to take courage. It takes courage to face the fact that you were not now what you were at one time. But you know what, God? I'm going to give you the best of me right now. I'm going to do the best I can for you right now. I may not be the man I used to be, but all the man I am is yours. 
you need to quit using excuse. The reason you're where you are right now is because you're not what you used to be. Get over that. Get over that. Whatever it was in all of its glory, that's okay. Don't get lost there. God's more interested in what you can do right now. And all God's wanting for some of you to do is just stand up and be strong and say, God, I may be wounded, I may be hurt, I may have some scars on my body that I didn't have before. I may have gone through some things that I don't understand, but here's what I've come to tell you. I'm going to give you the best that I have at this moment. If I'm wounded, I'm going to live for you wounded. If I'm hurt, I'm going to serve you hurt. If I'm scarred, I'm going to serve you scarred. If I've been done wrong, I'm going to serve you being done wrong. But I'm going to give you the best that I can in this hour and in this time. That's all God's wanting from you. God's not asking you to recapture a former glory. He's just asking you to be strong right now and work. Be strong and work. Be strong and work. Be strong and work. Be strong and worship. Be strong and pray. Be strong and give. Be strong and live. Quit crying about what was and all that you've lost and what has been taken from you and realize that you still have an opportunity in this hour to do something with God that will actually be greater than whatever was in the past. God still expects our best. The struggle with what was compared to what is, is one that all of us go through at some time in our life. God's not caught up in that. He just wants you to be strong and work. Work with what you've got. Use what you've got. Do what you can. Amen. You say, Brother Hughes, I'm, I'm hurt. Well, do what you can until God can heal that hurt. I told someone the other day about the will of God. When I first started trying to know the will of God, I always grew up thinking the will of God was some deep, dark mystery. It was some unknown. It was like God was playing hide and seek, and every time I would get to where I thought it was, he would move it somewhere else. He was always trying to keep me in the dark. And I come to realize that that's not God. God wants me to know his will. And I come to understand through my pastor that the will of God is similar to this door right here. That if you want to know what the will of God is, walk up to that door. And if it opens, walk through it. That's the will of God. If it doesn't, don't stand there beating on it, trying to make it open. Go find another door. And if that door opens, walk through that door. Now listen to me. It doesn't mean that that door is not for me. But there may be a day down the road when I get to walk through that door. But that door is not for me right now. And so I have to do what I can do right now. And if I'll do what I can do right now, it's amazing. Some of the things that I thought God wanted me to do a long time ago, God has 
only allowed me to do in my latter years. He brought me back to that door that I pushed on in the beginning that I couldn't get to open. And now it opens. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when one door did open, that's the one I went through. When something did work, that's what I worked on. It may not be perfect. It may not be ideal. But it was the best that I could do at the moment. And I gave God my best. And that's all God was asking for me to do. Just give him my best. Somebody here this morning's wrestling with, God, if I, tried to, if I got back to living for you, I'd have to deal with all this. You know what? Quit worrying about all that. Just walk through that door and say, God, I'm going to do my best to live for you. And as you walk through that door, God will open another door and another door. And the things that you thought you could never get rid of or overcome, you'll find in your past one day part of the victory train that God has brought to your life. What does God want from you this morning? Your best. Whatever it is. Whatever that is. Some of us are wounded from issues in life. Some of us have gone through things that we shouldn't have had to go through. And we've caused those things to allow us to pull back in a little cocoon. And we live this protected bubble. We don't let anybody get close to us. We don't let anybody really touch our life anymore because we were hurt too deeply. You hear me today. Quit worrying about your bubble and start reaching out to God with what you have, with what you can give Him, what you can do. Just give that to God. And if you'll do that, God will bring you out of that bubble. He'll bring you back into his perfect will. And he will put you where you belong and give you the things that you've longed to have. He will bring them back. Because the promise of God was that your latter house is going to be greater than your former house. I know you can't see that right now. But I'm just telling you that's the covenant that I'm making with you. If you will give me your best, I promise you, God said, that I will make the end of your life better than your beginning. Whatever that former glory was, God said, if you'll just say yes to me today, if you'll just give me all that you can give me at this present moment, I will make the end better than the beginning. Amen. What does God want from you? Just the best you can do right now. Just the best you can do. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be ideal. It doesn't have to be what you've envisioned that you have to do to serve God. Just give God what you can. Make sure it's your best. So really, Hughes, that sounds like compromise to me. No, that's a merciful God trying to get a people back to the place that they ought to be, and he can't get them there in the condition that they were in at the moment. God had to bring them through a process, but if you'll give him your best, he'll get you back to that best place. He'll get you back to that former glory and beyond that. He'll blow your mind with how he will bless your future if you'll just say yes to him in the present. Let's stand together.